This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa podcast. Can't believe it. <laughs> Joe Manchin agreed to vote for a bill? Which means Democrats might actually get something done? Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer announcing a deal on a bill that was all but dead. You almost never see this in Washington. You never see Washington surprised like it is this morning. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin announced he has struck a deal with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. This is a major piece of legislation that they say would pay down the national debt, cut health care costs, fight climate change, and battle inflation. It is the product of secret negotiations over a package that until yesterday appeared to be dead. What a difference a couple of weeks makes. With a little rebranding and some excellent timing, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 has sprung to life slapping the GOP in their unsuspecting faces and reigniting hope that Democrats aren't just dithering idiots, but in fact, masters of the game. Republicans thought they won. So yesterday, the Senate passed the computer chip bill called the CHIPS bill, broad bipartisan support, 64 to 33. Then, just four hours later, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Manchin announced, well, surprise, a new climate and social spending plan that would increase green energy subsidies, close tax loopholes for the wealthy, and lower the cost of prescription drugs, among other provisions. Genuinely very good and surprising, and Republicans were furious. While Republicans were congratulating themselves for signing on to the popular bipartisan semiconductor or chips bill, Chuck Schumer and of all people Joe Manchin were still at the table, quietly discussing the climate change initiatives that Manchin squashed earlier this month. They stayed at the table in large part because Senator John Hickenlooper of Colorado just wouldn't let them go. While most Democrats in Congress and the world over were busy deriding Manchin in public, Hickenlooper was actively listening to Manchin's inflation concerns that were apparently real. So they bring in former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, no stranger to scorn himself during the Biden era, and he's able to convince Manchin that in fact the bill will lower inflation. Then they promise not to cut coal completely out of the equation. And so, Manchin signs on, and that's how good deals get done. If approved, the Inflation Reduction Act will be the biggest federal investment in clean energy ever made in the United States. Think about what this is about. It's called the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, as you rightly identify. Good naming there. But that is exactly what it does. So. When you take a look at the climate part, for example, the climate part is absolutely about attacking the climate crisis yes. head on. But large parts of it are about how to bring down costs for families all across the country. Quoting from a summary of the bill, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 will make a historic down payment on deficit reduction to fight inflation. It'll invest in domestic energy production and manufacturing and reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40% by the year 2030. 
the bill will also finally allow Medicare to negotiate for prescription drug prices and extend the expanded Affordable Care Act program for three years through 2025. Plus, cash incentives to help people buy clean cars. So folks, what's not to like? Schumer is counting on a vote before the August recess, but every Senate Democrat has to get on board, and that means you, Kristen Cinema. If Miss Cinema has a brain in her head, she'll see this moment for what it is redemption. Redemption for us and for her. So get with it, lady, and come through for the country, or burn along with the rest of Arizona, as climate change will eventually have its way with you and all of us. And the greatest arrogance of all, save the planet. What? Are these fucking people kidding me? Save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. We haven't learned how to care for one another. We're gonna save the fucking planet? It's past time for a change. But remember, the bipartisan infrastructure bill? Probably not. It was so unsexy that people forgot it was a huge accomplishment. Let's not let the Inflation Reduction Act suffer the same fate. Assuming it passes, it's a big win for Biden and will give Democrats a real shot at retaining the House and Senate in the midterms. Hundreds of thousands of years of bombardment by comets and asteroids and meteors, worldwide floods, tidal waves, worldwide fires, erosion, cosmic rays, recurring ice ages, and we think some plastic bags and some aluminum cans are going to make a difference? Speaking of shots, Republicans shot themselves in the foot again when in retaliation for getting sideswiped by Manchin and the Inflation Reduction Act, they suddenly tanked the promise to address comprehensive toxics, otherwise known as the PACT bill, that would provide medical benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits and other toxins during their military service. Out of spite, Republicans literally burn the veterans that they pretend to support. The fury and outrage expressed by veterans and their families was completely justified as they were in Washington to celebrate the bill's long-awaited passage. We have an all-volunteer military in this country. If you don't think young people are watching what we're doing today, that are thinking about signing up for the military, you're sadly mistaken. And when we don't take care of our veterans when they come home, they're going to say, why should I ever sign the dotted line? The Senate had passed the original legislation in June. It then underwent minor changes when it moved to the House, where it also passed. But when the bill returned to the Senate, the bill had not changed much, but the view and vote of 25 Republican senators did. John Stewart, a staunch supporter of the bill, had a few choice words for Republicans upon hearing that they'd voted against our veterans. I'm used to the lies. I'm used to the hypocrisy. Senator Pat Toomey won't take a meeting with the veterans groups. Sends out his chief of staff. I'm used to the cowardice. I've been here a long time. Senate's where accountability goes to die. These people don't care. They're never losing their jobs. They're never losing their health care. Pat Toomey didn't lose his job. He's walking away. God knows what kind of pot of gold he's stepping into. It's been a bad week for the Republicans in general, but Trump in particular. 
It has become clear that the January 6th committee, the Fulton County Court in Georgia, and the New York Attorney General Letitia James aren't Donald J. Trump's biggest problems anymore. Nope. It had been confirmed that he now had the DOJ to contend with as they get closer and closer to his inner circle. And with a grand jury, no less, so this ain't no fishing expedition, folks, because according to an article in the New York Times, the Justice Department is investigating Trump's actions as part of its criminal probe of efforts to overturn the 2020 election. So fucking booyah. Well, yeah, I thought he was a subject of the investigation, but now we know, indeed, he is the, the former president of the United States is a subject of a criminal investigation that is looking at uh, two tracks and possibly four different possible crimes. Uh, that includes investigating the possibility that Trump and his allies engaged in seditious conspiracy to obstruct a government proceeding, uh, conspiracy to defraud the U.S. government, also a series, of, sort of a grab bag of fraud in which they could have used the Department of Justice to try to block um, that proceeding, but also to try to use the Department of Justice and other levers of the government to defraud the American public, to, to push a um, criminal agreement that involves pushing a big lie. Two of Pence's top White House aides, Mark Short and Greg Jacob, testified to a federal grand jury on the same day that Bannon was convicted for contempt of Congress for defying the January 6th committee subpoena. Their questions have been specific to Trump's pressure campaign on Pence to overturn the election and what instructions Trump gave his lawyers and advisors about fake electors and sending electors back to the states. John Eastman was providing legal advice. How much legal advice is within the ambit of just uh, taking a shot and how much is actually encouraging someone to violate the law. Those are very hard questions that need to be resolved, but the way you resolve those questions is by collecting evidence, and that's what they're doing, and that once they've connect, collected enough evidence, they'll decide if there's a prosecutable case here. The DOJ now has the phone records of senior and junior Trump officials, including former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And most recently, they subpoenaed the phone records of John Eastman of the infamous Eastman memo, which laid out the idiotic fucking plan for fake electors and for Pence to stop the certification of the election on the 6th. The fact that Eastman fancies himself a hero and won't shut up about it has only increased his criminal exposure. Trying to gather everything about Team Trump and piece together what potential crimes may have occurred, including, you know, the most serious one, seditious conspiracy to obstruct a government proceeding, and that is the, the certification of the election, the certification right. of the victory of Joe Biden. There are two ways that the investigation could ultimately lead to charges against Trump. One, seditious conspiracy and conspiracy to obstruct the government proceeding. This is what they got on the Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, and other right-wing nuts who stormed the Capitol. And though their leaders, Stuart Rhodes and Enrique Tarrio, were not actually there at the Capitol, they were charged with the same thing because they planned the operation. 
and second, potential fraud associated with the false elector scheme and the pressure Trump put on the Justice Department and others to falsely claim that the election was rigged. Merrick Garland has made it clear that he will follow the facts wherever they lead and that no one is above the law. Well, let me say it again, fucking booyah. Early in the week, the RNC said that if Donald announces his run for the 2024 presidential election before the midterms, they'll stop paying his hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal bills, citing some bullshit about having to stay neutral during the presidential primary. George, this is an entirely unprecedented arrangement. The Republican National Committee is paying and has been paying Donald Trump's personal legal bills. Some of these related to his businesses in New York, $1.7 million, more than that, just since October. Most recent payment we know of, more than $50,000 last month. So now they're making this threat, and Republicans really don't want Donald Trump announcing that he's running for president as they head into the midterms where they think they're going to do well. Yeah, this is really something, a threat from the RNC quietly said, uh, we found out about it, uh, that they will stop paying his legal bills when he or if he run announces he's running for president. But all this on top of what the January 6th committee has been up to, I was going to say that Trump is fucked, but by now, it's obvious. The January 6th committee is gearing up for more fireworks as they contemplate whether or not to subpoena Ginny Thomas. I, for once, say yes, please subpoena Ginny Thomas. Starting the night of January the 6th, quote, Mnuchin talked to other members of the cabinet about attempting to remove Trump from office by invoking the 25th Amendment. Among the cabinet officials he spoke to that night was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Pompeo has denied the conversation, but to this day, Mnuchin has never responded to questions about it. He still refuses to say whether he, on January the 6th, thought Donald Trump might have been mentally unfit to continue serving as President of the United States. They interviewed Mulvaney this week. Manchin has already been interviewed and is apparently cooperating. While Radcliffe and Pompeo were still negotiating terms for their possible interviews, Pompeo called the January 6th investigation a monkey court because that's what tough guys vying to be president do. But it looks like what the committee is zeroing in on is just how serious Trump's top cabinet members were about invoking the 25th Amendment against him. McCarthy wasn't the only one who knew Trump was out of control, but like Cassidy Hutchinson said in her testimony, Trump was aware of the threat and was forced to make a statement on the 7th of January to both save his legacy and prove he wasn't batshit crazy. Trump went after the Fox and Friends hosts of going to the quote dark side after they mentioned the factual matter that he is sagging in some Republican primary polls. And then you get this uncomfortable moment where one host mentioned the polling again. 75% of Democrats want somebody else in the same poll. 55% shot again. 55% of Republicans or people leaning Republican want somebody other than Donald Trump to run. That's up 6% from their earlier Poll. And if the former president's watching, you should know those are the, just the numbers you're relaying. You didn't come up with those numbers. Insult to injury? Even Fox News and Rupert Murdoch have abandoned Donald. The Post made a statement this week claiming he's unfit to serve. And while both Pence and Trump spoke in D.C. on the same day this week, 
Fox played 17 minutes of Pence's speech and exactly, yeah, get a load of this, folks, no fucking minutes of Trump's. It almost makes you feel sorry for the guy. I don't, but Fox has got to decrease their liability for the defense of the big lie. It's a very big deal, but it's not a surprise. You know, it's a basic principle of, of libel law is that if, if, if CNN puts Mr. A on the air and Mr. A says Mr. B is a child molester, Mr. B sues us, we can't say, oh, well, it was just Mr. A who said that. We were just the transmission. That's what this case is about. Fox said, no, we didn't say that Dominion is corrupt. Our, our, the people we interviewed said that. The judge said, first of all, some of these people, Tucker Carlson, Maria Bartiromo, um, Lou Dobbs, uh, among others, some of those did say that Dominion was corrupt. But by putting Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, making these outrageous false allegations on the air without allowing Dominion to refute them, that's libel. Dominion voting systems aren't the only ones suing Fox for defamation. The line is long and the cost will be very, very high. By the way, couldn't happen to nicer guys. And file this under lack of government accountability, but it appears that everyone who was anyone in government on January 6th has erased their text messages. First, it was the Secret Service, and now it's the top dogs at Homeland Security. Howlin' Chad Wolf and his sidekick Ken Cuccinelli, loyalists beware because of the fearless Liz Cheney said, the dam has begun to break. But he's got high hopes, he's got high hopes, he's got high And now for the main event. This week, we welcome to our show Dash Dabrowski, a Gen Z political activist and creator and host of the daily podcast Uncovering the Truth, which seeks to abolish corruption, injustice, and evil. Now that's a tall order, but young Dabrowski, currently a political science major at UCLA, has the energy and optimism to do just about anything he sets his mind to. Dash is also featured on the Midas Touch, and his numerous videos can be found on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, check out his super active Twitter feed, which features over 73,000 followers and a tweet about every five minutes. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Dash, I guess you might call uncovering the truth your brand. You're on Twitter, you're on TikTok, you're on, I mean, virtually uh, YouTube, um, all social media platform, right? Your subtitle is Abolish Corruption, Injustice, and Evil, which is admirable. Is this just you or do you work with a whole team? I mean, however it works, you put out an enormous amount of content. What inspired you to become the face of a movement? Wow. So, uh, yes, this is all me. And uh, I'll tell you, I started the Uncovering the Truth because I was, quite honestly, I didn't want to put my face on it because of the, the, the backlash. I saw, you know, people get death threats for speaking out politically. <laughs> and I, I, I was frankly uh, a little scared at first of the, the MAGA maniacs. So I created the, the, the alias, the Uncovering the Truth. 
and what really inspired me was actually the uh, 2020. I watched, I was just a regular guy on Twitter and I saw the murder of George Floyd. It, sh- it was the most shocking thing I've ever seen. And I was like, oh my goodness. I, I just saw a man be murdered by a police officer. So I went to look it up that night. I was like, I want to I follow the story. And then it was Tucker Carlson on Fox News who didn't talk about it at all. He just talked about the riots that were breaking out and he started attacking the rioters. He called BLM an anarchist organization. And that was the first introduction to, uh, I think, GOP propaganda, I would call it. And I was like, I was like, this is preposterous. They're not going to cover the, the murder. They're, they're blaming the rioters who were protesting it. So I think that night I created the account and I just went on a rampage on Twitter. And uh, ever since then, I, I decided to put my face on it because I was I'm fed up, man. I, I think people need to speak out more and don't fear the backlash. Just get in there because we got to do something about this. Now, like I said, you know, you do put out a shit ton of content, <laughs> all right, including there was um, some content that I gave to Midas Touch that went on a YouTube channel, and they were like, we need you to do more. And I said, I'm terribly sorry, I can't. Unfortunately, I was at a shiva, right? A friend of mine's uh, family member had passed away, and so I couldn't do it. And they used you as the intro for one of my uh, YouTube appearances on uh, Midas Touch. So I'm kind of figuring, you know, with all the content that you're putting out, you're not doing this on your own, right? No, no, no I am doing it on my own. I, I don't ha- I, I'll tell you, though, wow. I, I don't really have a life outside of this. <laughs> like I, I've devoted everything to this political movement just on my own. I, I don't know why. I just, it, just, just like you, you're putting yourself out there it's hard to think about anything else other than the state of the country right now. Well, it's going to affect our whole lives if we lose the midterms, which I don't think we're going to lose, but uh, there's so much at stake. And uh, yeah, I can't even, I can't think about anything else to be honest. So yeah, I'm the only, I'm the man behind the curtain. Wow. I mean, look, uh, I, I may have to unfortunately disagree with you. I do believe that the Democrats are going to lose uh, the midterms. I, I believe that the House, it's almost impossible based on gerrymandering um, for the Democrats to keep the House. I do believe that we will keep the Senate, but I, I believe the House is probably a goner. And if things don't start shaping up and Democrats don't start coming up with a better message as we're going to be heading into the general election, I'm fearful we're going to get fucked in the White House, too, to be very honest with you. You know, it's something that I talk about a lot here on Maya Culpa. Uh, and it's not to be critical of Jamie Harrison, who's the head of the, R- uh, the, head of the DNC, but one of the p- things is you can't compare him, like, for example, to Ronna Romney McDaniel from the RNC. She's a, uh, what's the best way to describe her? She is uh, Trump with tits so to speak, right? She will lie about fucking anything. She will do anything to keep the cash flow going. She will continue to promote the big lie and all of the lies that came about during that, you know, four-year Mishigas, that four years of just, you know, craziness that we were all going. Um, it's, It's sad, but we don't 
as Democrats have anybody that's willing to fight dirty in the, you know, in the sandbox the way that they are. And their lies, their messaging mm. somehow becomes the truth and they're whitewashing reality and we're just not fighting back. Though people like yourself, people like myself you, and others, I just don't think we're, we're not enough. We're not. Well, I, I, I wish we were, but we're not. I, I, I agree with you. you know, they're using the, well, they're using the 1930s tactic of you say the lie over and over again, it becomes true. Well, I, I always say, I think the Democrats need to repeat the truth over and over again until everybody in the country hears about it. Because, uh, so you have, um, Biden has the opportunity here with this new era of social media to use the bully pulpit. He should be every single night telling the voters, whether it's through TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever app, telling them, hey, the Republicans want to force 10-year-old girls to give birth to their rapist's baby. He needs to say that every single night. People get drowned in social media misinformation or whether it's the Amber Heard trial or it's just, you know, the, the celebrity BS gossip that dominates social media. But the Democrats, they, get, they need to advertise their accomplishments more, hide their, their failures, though they don't have many, or, or find a way to blame their failures on the Republicans. You're right. They've got to do what the Republicans are doing. You're right. And Jamie Harrison, uh, he's great. But he needs to be putting out 30 tweets a day, like Ronna Romney McDaniel, right? Or they need to be much louder. Like even you, you put out an hour of more content every day. That's more than the president's putting out to boast about his own accomplishments. So the Democrats have the goods, but they got to sell it like an advertising company. And uh, but I do. And right. You're, you're right. And nobody has it better than the president of the United States, who any time he wants to become a sensation, right? All he needs to do, hi, this is Joe Biden, and I'm speaking to you <laughs> from the Rose Garden, from the Oval Office, from the desk of Joe Biden, and sit there and say, my fellow Americans, right? This is what the Republicans are doing to our country today. And then that's what I would do. If I was president of the United States, I'm not bullshitting you. <laughs> I would turn around and, you know what, let me ask you that question first. You're president of the United States. Give me, this, give me the, you know, the first of obviously many from the desk of President Dash Dabrowski. Okay. I mean, first of all, I'd say, I'd say li listen, guys, I want to lower your gas prices. But 207 Republicans blocked my bill that would have prevented gas companies from price gouging. Then I had to go to Saudi Arabia to strike a deal to lower the gas prices because the Republicans, they, they forced me to go there. So I'm, I'm, I'm making a diplomatic deal. And uh, I, I would also say I want to ban, want to ban assault weapons. The Republicans want to keep assault weapons on the streets because it gives more money to the NRA. It feeds their narrative. And then it gets redistributed into the form of campaign contributions back to the Republicans. I'm going to ban assault weapons if we give me the majority this November. I, I'm, I'm ranting here, but I'm saying he's got to just speak like a, a regular person to the people and tell them the things that, that we want to hear. Talk about the abortion. Talk about the 10-year-old girl in Ohio. I keep repeating that because that is not a good look for the Republicans. But the, the, what the Democrats are, they're not, they should say that the Republicans are handing them red meat on a silver platter. And, you're, and they're, not, they're not taking it. So 
I, again, I think they need someone like go on your go on your pod, get President Biden. Go on the Michael Cohen Maycopa podcast. There's you, you need to, we <laughs> yeah. need to we need to get uh, them out to the the younger audience as well. It's it's all tied into his you know quote unquote approval rating. It's it, there's just no uh, we want to see the Democrats fight and have backbone, and they do have backbone, but they're not advertising enough. I don't know how to yeah. yeah see, I would. Yeah, I would get up and I would say, you know, hi, this is President Michael Cohen. <laughs> from the desk, right? From the desk of the Oval Office, here is, right? Your President Michael Cohen. My fellow Americans, every day we keep hearing the bullshit by the Republicans talking about economy, economy, economy. And I'm trying to tell you, economies go up and economies go down. You've, unless you're 18 years old, you haven't seen this before in your life, but you will again, maybe when you're 40 or 50, but we've all seen it. Some of my, you know, my, my people, right, who are, you know, in their mid to high 70s, you've seen the depression, right? You've seen the ups and downs of the economy. You'll remember under Jimmy Carter, you'll remember our economy was in trouble, let me tell you a couple of things that the Republicans are doing. Probably the single most important one. They're taking away your constitutional rights. They are violating and destroying our constitutional very fabric that makes us the United States of, the, of America every single day. So either you want to stand with me in the Constitution, stand with me in democracy for another 300 plus years, 500 years for eternity, because we know the world needs it, or let's just turn it over to an orange-crusted, bloviated Mandarin Mussolini motherfucker who wants to strip you of your rights and make you in the middle of winter sit there and stand clapping so hard that your hands break because he thinks he's the fatter version of Kim Jong-un. Hard to believe. <laughs> so whatever money you think that you have, he will take it from you because that's all he cares about is money and power and not necessarily in that order. So if you vote Republican in these upcoming midterms and in the, in the general election, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's all you need to say. That, would, that inspires everyone. And it's the truth. <laughs> and that's the crazy it's, thing. It's, it's the, it's truth. the truth. That's not even a lie. It's not propaganda. It's the truth. But you've got to be the loudest voice. You have to say it over and over again. Uh, wait, can, I want to ask you about that because I, you, you've said a lot um, – that you say this is all this is all a grift because I, I just saw him post on Truth Social right after the last hearings and he said he said great news uh, the Democrats have officially lost Wisconsin <laughs> he's spreading the big lie again that led to the attack so but you say uh, that because you, you I don't know him you know him it, it's all a grift but perhaps is it more than a grift because that to me seems like a guy who who enjoy who wants his supporters to go out and incite violence again and overthrow the government again so which yes it's part of money but also has he been even more radicalized since you like since you got since you last uh work with him to the point of no longer like a, just a mafia boss but a an evil dictator in the likes of Mussolini or or his. yeah so look dish all right as you're a Gen Z activist, right? I'm kind of part of the baby boomer, you know, generation. We think 
a little different, but for the most part, we all think the same. Yes, it is part of the great grift of Donald Trump. He is, as I stated, the world's greatest con man. He is Don the Con. But one of the things is he has an extremely fragile ego. So the fact that he lost, he cannot, in his own mind, un he cannot comprehend that he, the great and all-powerful Donald, lost to Lion Joe, right? <laughs> to, you know, to Old Man Joe. He can't, he can't handle it. And so what does he need to do? He needs to burn down the whole fucking country because that's the only way that he could continue with his big lie and continue to say the things that he says, which is, I really won, right? I won Wisconsin. I won Pennsylvania. I won Georgia. I won Florida. I won, I won everything. Quite frankly, I just won it all, right? And yet they stole it. They, they sent up the shit into the space and then came down. Bing, bang, bing, bang, boom, 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 boom. It was, it was a vote for Trump. It's a vote for Trump. But bing, bang, boom, they figured it out. And all the Trump votes turn into Biden votes. And then you have stupid people, because I've seen you talk to so many of these fucking weird people, right? Where they turn around, they tell you about these space you know, um, sabotage that's going on. I don't know how you put up with it. I think it's funny as hell, but I just don't know how anybody puts up with this misinformation, disinformation, and that new term everyone's talking about now, the malinformation. And that's just what Trump is going to do. He would rather burn down the country than to admit defeat. I agree. So, and that would result in a dictatorship. Nonetheless, like that would result in the end of American democracy. Yep. So again, what else is there? there? Nothing's left. And it, you just brought up an interesting point, like uh, because nobody. I'm just going to speak honestly here because again, you know, I go to UCLA. The professors are, in my opinion, they are. This is no offense to any of my current professors, but they feel almost politically castrated. They're afraid to voice whether they have an opinion on Donald Trump or not, or, or whether or not they, uh, you know, they're not allowed to voice their, vocalize their political opinion, although I believe they used to be able to before the Republicans have waged a war on education. So even the students, my, you know, young students who are not maybe into politics, but we're doing political science, they need to hear these things from teachers as well, because like we said before, this is not a political opinion. It's a fact. There is an autocratic, authoritarian, fascist regime masquerading as a political party. But young people, all, all, we, all the young people get, you know, a lot from the professors because they're teaching almost in a state of fear. Yeah, well, look, I'm not so sure. I, yeah, I'm, I hope not. I hope that's not happening. I know I've spoken to several classes. I spoke to one around not too far from you at USC, where they had like 40, 50 students in the class. They all jumped onto this um, group meet chat and so on. And uh, I gave about a 20 minute uh, speech. And then I opened the floor up to um, questions and we spent a little over an hour together. Uh, I know that they had a good time. I certainly know I did, but I told it the way that only I can tell it, right? And I, I told the truth and I told them exactly, you know, how things are my opinion. But again, 
it's not just about opinion. I provide them with facts. And, you know, these facts should never be lost. I Listen, I agree with you on that. As long as you're providing facts, not this delusional Republican message that's created by Don, by uh, Kimberly Gargoyle, by Eric Lara, the, the dope you got, you know, and then you got Donald himself mm-hmm. or, you know, the whole, the whole team of these misfits. As long as you tell the truth, democracy will prevail. Right. As long as you're going to allow the lies to permeate into the classroom, that will be the ultimate end of our democracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's just the way it is. So let me ask you this, all right? Do you think that young people of today really know what's going on? I mean, look, you're still in school, so you're obviously, your finger is on the pulse. Where's the 60s style street revolution, right? The underground weathermen, the Black Panthers. Where are today's <laughs> radicals on the left? Because personally, I don't see them. And also because we know that young white nationalists yep. are organized and they're showing up live and in person at rallies and county fairs and you name it all over the country. Right now, <laughs> is the battle for young Democrats being fought on TikTok or social media? And do you think social media is enough as opposed to in person? Right. Where's my million man march oh, for the right for the good side, for the not Nazis, <laughs> for, for against the Nazis. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, that's a That's a big question. I think. Well, let me start by saying. I don't know. I don't think a lot of young people see the threat the country's facing. Uh, I, I know they're fed up with the gun violence. I know they're very disturbed by the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Those are two very personal issues, and they believe in combating climate change. But as far as the the, the true threat the country faces, uh, I think the, no. I, I think um, I think the only way to, to to really combat it is not by facing them in the streets because that's that's dangerous these people come armed these are armed militias we're talking about here we saw kyle rittenhouse shoot two shoot two people uh right they they lost their lives now i'm not going to get into but but but, i mean again this this was so no there's they've scared and then ended up by the way then ended up and then ended up at mar lardo having uh fucking burgers you know with donald in um and i I don't get it but i'm sorry keep going dish you're right then celebrating with the president so i personally i i am myself i talk a big game on social media it's scary to go out to the streets in these protests especially nowadays with the with the rising gun violence and white nationalism um i i do think though here's what i'll say Every young person is on social media, every single young person. So what we need to do is make sure to fill that social media, what, the, what people are seeing with the truth, with the facts, with the things the Republicans are doing and uh, the threat they face and also the action they can take by voting. A lot of, a lot of people are checking out of politics right now, my age, because they don't want to watch the, you know, the gloomy MSNBC, CNN, we're doomed, it's over. You know what I mean? The Moore v. Harper SCOTUS case, it's, we get a bunch of bad news, but we need to direct them to action as well. Like, hey, these problems are in your hands. You can vote these people out so you can ban assault weapons. You can gain your reproductive rights back. Uh, you can combat the SCOTUS's EPA decision to, you know, they've taken away authority from the EPA to regulate uh, power plants. And 
we young people feel powerless, but we're watching everything on social media. So we need loud voices on social media to combat the misinformation and provide the vital information. That's it, man. I, I don't think they're as privy as they should be, but it's also partially by design of the Republicans dominating with propaganda. Okay, great. So social media, you believe the Democrats are beating the Republicans on social media. I'm not 100% certain I agree on that one. Well, I disagree. Um, I don't. However. I, sorry, real quick. I, I, don't, I think they're losing on social media. They're losing to the Republicans. Okay, so if we're, losing, if we're losing to Republicans on the social media platforms, if we're losing to Republicans on in-person appearances and so on, what do we need to do? Look, you are a TikTok uh, right, a TikTok, Instagram, YouTuber, you know, Twitter, you know, you're a, you're a presence on all social media platforms. And I agree with you. Democracy is in peril. The democracy that I grew up with, there's a better than likely chance you won't know from it. And especially, you know, the kids that are in fresh, that are freshmen, they're not going to know. And you brought up the same three that I would talk about. Gun violence. This is a real fucking problem. All right? When you have 300 million guns that are out there, and then you have a whole group of people that are dying. They're fucking itching to use it. Right? They, they really are. It's like they think this is, you know, that this is whatever that fucking game is you kids play on, you know, where you get dropped out of a helicopter and you're <laughs> fighting with other people that you can talk to. I forget what it's called. Anyway, you got the gun violence going on there. Then you got Roe v. Wade. If I was a female, and I don't care what the age is, I don't care from the, uh, from, and let's just talk voting ages, from the age of 18 to 100 and whatever, right? I would be furious they are taking away my right to decide my body, all right? They're, taking, they're claiming that their religious conviction is more important to everyone than my right to my body. And I grant them religion is a good thing, right? But why should your religion supersede mine? Why should your religious conviction be imposed upon me? I'm not Christian. I, I, right? I'm, I'm Jewish. What if hypothetically you were Muslim, Hindu, agnostic, atheist? Right? This is not. This is not my religion. So why are you imposing your Southern white Christian coalition belief? on me or anyone outside of your own group. If you don't want to have an abortion, God bless you. Raise that child in health and happiness, and I hope the child brings you much nachas, right, joy over the course of your lifetime and many children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I wish you nothing but the best, but stay the fuck out of my bedroom. And if I was a female, I would be turning, and I, I would walk away from the party that wants to interfere in my reproductive right. Mm -hmm. It's just to me, it doesn't make sense. And then if you want to even go any further than that, that's great. So now you're going to have all these new unwanted children in an earth that's dying because of climate change. I mean, everything here is just a paradox. And gun violence. Yep. 
they, 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 they want to uh, force you to have the kid, but they don't want to take care of the kid. They don't want to give him child tax credits. They, <laughs> they want to abandon the kid as soon as he comes out of the womb. Uh, but you're, no, you're right. I believe, well, barring that bizarre 10% who are anti-abortion, most women, uh, most young people are very adamant about wanting to retain the right to make their own reproductive health care decisions. But, uh, but that's why, again, we have to advertise this. This has to, be, this has to be on the forefront of young people's minds from now all the way until November. It's, it's how we're going to win the midterms, but the Democrats need to over and over and over, just like the Republicans talk about Hunter Biden over and over again. It's a lie. But we need to start talking about this over and over and over again. So to tie back to uh, the social media, you, like you're saying, what do the Democrats need to do? They've got to get on all of these platforms. I'm serious. Jamie Harrison, 50 videos a day. Joe Biden. Give us a video every day on every platform. You don't know if you just changed one mind, even if social media doesn't have the, quite the effect as an in-person rally, you may change one person's mind and that could be the difference in a swing state. But they, they, again, this is coming down to you, people like you and I are louder than the Democrats in office. That's a problem. But there's a solution and we got to keep, we got to just keep staying loud. There's no other, I'm not one for, complaining or saying that we're doomed i think we're gonna we can win if we battle up man we got it we got it we got to get loud you know it's look you, you'll remember when the me too movement came and they had like the uh you know in 20 or 30 different states there were hundreds of thousands of you know girls with those pink hats right keep your hands off my pussy uh and so on they were they were right they're 100% right. And then you had the hashtag, Me Too. And how many people, right, got hashtagged Me Too and had their whole lives upended because, well, they fucking deserved it, to be honest with yeah. you. We need to do the same thing. Keep your fucking lives out of my bedroom. Keep your, keep your laws and your religious beliefs out of my uterus. I mean, this is just... You know, I don't know what the hashtag would be, right? <laughs> um, but whatever it might be, there are more clever people than I that, that are out there. But I do believe that, you know, the Republicans, when it comes to mass mobilizing people for these rallies, they're doing a better job than the DNC, than we are. And yeah, you're right. Uh, our voices are meaner and louder yeah. than the DNC. It should not be that way. And if they think that that's going to help to keep the Democrats in power and control, you know, like I said, I think the DNC either needs to step up or change its leadership. But let me then ask you this question, Dash. Yep. How do you think the January 6th hearings are going so far? Are they moving the needle and waking people up to the truth about Trump and the big lie? Or are they just teeing up possible prosecutions that the DOJ may or may not follow up on? Right? Are people your age following the hearings? Are they talking about it in the cafeteria or, you know, in the dorms <laughs> and at the parties? Uh, okay, well, I'm going to first, uh, first off, I'll start by saying... The January 6th hearings, I, I, let me start back. I at first was very skeptical. You know, I attacked Merrick Garland every single day on all my platforms. I'm saying he's worthless. He's protecting Donald Trump. They're not doing anything. The January 6th committee is, 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 it's a political circus. It's bread and circuses. 
But after seeing them, they, you know what? They, it's undeniable. They've laid out. They've laid out everything. They have laid out. He was connected to the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys. He sent his armed militia to the Capitol. He took away the metal detectors. The Secret Service let him take away the metal detectors, and they deleted their own text messages. He assaulted the driver, got him to turn back. I think uh, the January 6th committee hearings are, are doing everything that they're supposed to be doing, and they're reminding people of they're reminding the everyday person who didn't who doesn't watch politics of whoa, that was not just a spontaneous riot. That was a long planned, calculated fascistic takeover of the government that failed, but it was an attempt, a criminal attempt nonetheless. So to answer your first question, yes. January sixth committee hearings are doing spectacular work and they're laying out the evidence to the public. Now, the second question, is this going to lead to a prosecution? Well, I, I, I guess I actually wanted to ask you that because I think at this point, I think, a, I think it's important for them to lay out the hearings for one reason. It will help, uh, you know, when if Merrick Garland, well, he should, when he prosecutes, there will be no denying for the lay voter or the lay person that this was not a prosecution based on evidence and facts, as opposed to them calling it a political arrest, like Fox News is going to do and all the Republicans are going to do when it happens. But uh, again, I, I'm choosing to have I'm choosing to have faith in Attorney General Merrick Garland. But if there is not a prosecution, I mean, Donald Trump right now, he's radicalizing his supporters into more violence. So I wanted to ask you. Uh, you I'm a the, young friend. You're a lawyer. Yeah, so I'm know. a young friend. It's <laughs> nice. It's nice to be young and still hopeful. I have no faith in our Department of Justice. I absolutely have zero. In fact, I have a book that's gonna come out in September, and after you read it, I'm 100% certain you two will sadly Honor. lose faith in our, in our DOJ. But the real part of that question that I'm really the most interested in is you know, whether people your age are actually following the hearings and discussing it. Because the only thing that, and I, this is gonna sound really crazy, and again, you were, you weren't even born at the time. There was a television show called Dallas, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think they try to make a remake or something. They should just sometimes let things, you know, <laughs> stay asleep because it was so great. And you had Larry Hagman played this character, J.R. Ewing. When J.R. got shot, it was a cliffhanger. Every party. Every lunch, every, who do you think did it? Who do you think shot JR? And it became this massive thing. And this isn't with internet and platform, social media platforms. This was just the chitter chat around, as they would say, the water cooler. Anywhere anybody was going. They started making t-shirts in my school. You know, and who do you think shot JR? It was comical, right? <laughs> I'd like yeah. to see the same thing here. I'd like to see the same type of enthusiasm and excitement and discussion that's going on because admit, my opinion is that's why they put somebody like Cassidy Hutchinson on. She's more your contemporary yeah. than she is mine. This young 25-year-old, well-spoken, you know, um, she looks like you. She sounds like you. Hopefully, that her characterization of what was going on as the fly on the wall inside the White House inspired people to start to talk about it. Because if you talk about what's really going on in this country, you will be petrified and you will vote Democrat. Mm -hmm. You're right. And I, it's just like I, I compared to our era, you know, the Game of Thrones finale. Everybody was talking about it. Oh, I hated it or I loved it. 
I personally really liked it. But um, it's not ha- – nope. Uh, uh, you know what? It's not happening with the January 6th committee. Young people aren't talking about it as much. You know, I have my friends. We, we talk about it all day long. But, but this is, goes down to what I was saying. It's not the center of political discourse, at least from my perspective, in the classrooms, these political classrooms, which kind of tells you everything it needs to tell you. There's, for some reason, our society is more drawn to uh, stories like The Stranger Things or like just, you know, the great show. Uh, yeah. Great, great show. By the way, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. People tell me how amazing it was and so on. It, 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 honestly, to try to catch, don't forget, I was away for a while at summer camp and we didn't have <laughs> access to that. And so, you know, uh, by the time that I ultimately came back, you know, it's like 300 episodes. I, I just can't, you know, even on home, even when I was on home confinement, you know, I couldn't just binge watch Game of Thrones, you know, dragons and yeah. uh, you know, sorcery and so on. It's it was just too much for me, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. So let me ask you this as a follow up, because the hearings are going to end soon, right? And obviously, we can't let up. You have any knowledge, or are you aware of any coordinate um, coordinated efforts by Democrats to keep control of the House and the Senate in the fall, or are we all just out there doing our own shit and winging it? Because my personal opinion is I think we really have to keep the pressure on. We, we have to constantly talk about it and do things. But the question becomes, how do we do that? Um, because, again, you know, I'm going to stick to my point, to my guns here, when I say I think that things are going to go south in November. And then I think it will be very, very difficult, if not impossible, for Democrats to ever regain power. That's the problem here. Mm-hmm. Trumpism, I'm afraid, is here to stay oh, yeah. unless something really radical is done. Yep. I, I think at the, at the end of the day, well, the only way Trumpism ends is when the head honcho faces legal consequences for his crime. If he doesn't face any consequences, it gives the green light to any other Republican to do the exact same thing when they lose an election because they say, oh, they're not going to prosecute. We're above the law. So, first of all, you're right. We need, we need legal consequences. Again, this Merrick Garland, it, there's a lot on Merrick Garland. To, he's got he's to save democracy at the end of the day. But before the Department of Justice does anything, the Democrats really need to hone in on their messaging. I like Gavin Newsom has been a very loud voice. He's been attacking Ron DeSantis. That inspires young people. That connects to young people and, and non-political people, they like the feuds. They like the drama. That's what gets traction on social media. It's what draws people in to watch. That's why people watch Donald Trump in the presidential debate, because he was a buffoon, a blabbering buffoon who was attacking people. And it was, it was fun to watch. It was horrifying, but it got views. So the Democrats need to rip off their gloves. Forget about being the Boy Scouts. We know you're the good party. You guys are the morally upstanding party. Now get out there and start getting loud. I'm going to say it over and over again. It's, it's the only thing that matters. They're being, uh, you know, the loudest voice, Roger Ailes. The Republicans are the loudest voice and the Democrats are seemingly surrendering and, and putting all the pressure on people like, like the voters to say, hey, guys, you need to show up and vote. It's like, well, well, give us some more messages. Tell us why we need to vote over and over again. You need to repeat the message over and over again. So... I think the Democrats do have a, well, 
they've got to fix their strategy, but I, I do believe they, they can win. They, they've got all the recipe for it. They've just got to pull their shit together. Yeah, and they got to get a little bit. They got to get a little bit mean. But you know, you called it right, uh, Gavin Newsom. Um, yeah, I mean he's 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 looking like a tough guy right now. You know that the Democrats need. Yeah. Um, is he a guy that your generation can get behind? Because I've heard you say that Democrats need to regain the narrative. First of all, what is the narrative that you you know that you're talking about? What what's what is that in your opinion? And how do we get it back? Well, here's the narrative that's going on right now. The narrative is that it is the, quote, woke left who is indoctrinating students and, and trying to teach their kids, you know, you need to have your own pronouns. You need to, uh, they're trying to t- talk about the end of men and the rise of feminism to them is the enemy. And that is the, d- the Democrats. They are emasculating the young male electorate. The, the, the Republicans have taken full control of the narrative to try to portray the Democrats as the radical, radical leftists who want to, you know, destroy culture. And it's, it's part of that great replacement theory of the, the Democrats are trying to replace the current white electorate with third world voters. That is their that is their inherent messaging to all of the voters. So they're, they're instilling fear into people about the left. But that's taking control of the narrative. It's, it's this big, you know, quote, what is a woman question that's going around. They're asking the Kentonji Jackson Brown justice, can you define a woman? That is their message. And I'm sorry, that's getting way more coverage than the Democrats' accomplishments or the fact that the Republicans want to force 10-year-olds to give birth to their rapist's baby. So what I, I guess I went off on a little tangent there, but yeah, the Republicans have dominated the narrative with lies. And uh, once again, we need people like Gavin Newsom who, yes, Young people would love to get behind him. He's, he's got the energy and the spark, which is what we all, we're all desperately praying for Chuck Schumer to do. We want to see Schumer get on the, the pulpit and attack yeah. the Republicans. Biden, get out and get angry, man. You've got so many reasons to get angry. Just do it. Just get pissed off. So that's what I think. Yeah, we're going to need someone like that. Yeah. Well, look, certainly you've seen Gavin Newsom. You're a UCLA guy, right? Uh, I mean, you know, I know now he's fighting because they're contemplating on moving uh, UCLA out of the Pac-12 into the Big Ten. And I know he's got some problem with that, you know, and with all due respect to Big Ten, Pac-12. Personally, I don't give a shit. I, I, re- I really don't. You know, um, I love watching football. Uh, I watch it whether they're in the Big Ten or the Pac-12. I, I, I truly don't care. Right now, I think people like Gavin Newsom should really be out there fighting the bigger fight, which is our democracy as opposed to, you know, which you know, conference your, <laughs> you know, your school that's in your jurisdiction is playing for. That's just my, that's just my opinion. But let me then jump over here for a second, Dash, to yep. Biden. Yep. Is he the type of nominee for president in 2024 that young people can get behind? Or you think they're just going to stay at home and say he's just too old? I, you know, I can't vote for him. But then again, you know, let's assume and I don't believe Trump is going to run, but let's assume it's Trump. But I can't fucking stand Trump. So I'm not I'm just not going to fucking vote. Let everybody else vote. You know, it's right. And what about like Bernie Sanders? I mean. Look, I think Bernie seems like an awfully nice guy, but to me, he's like that wacky old man from the, you know, um, the Muppets yep. that used to sit up in the, you know, up in the, uh, 
the what, what do you call it up in the bleachers, right? And sit there with his buddy and making fun. That's just how <laughs> how I always see Bernie, and I happen to like him. I think he's an awfully nice guy. It's just there's something that just doesn't translate with me. Yep. Is there a name or several names that you would get behind personally, and that you think that younger younger folks would get behind? And that do you think that that person will be able to beat? the likes of Trump or Trump in 2024? Because that's got to always be on the back. It's got to always be in the back of your mind. It does. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think the, I think Biden gets a bad, I'm, this sounds very like, you know, this is very opinionated, but I think Biden gets a very bad rap in the, in the media. I think a majority of people still, they love what he's done with, uh, they, we have empathy for the people in Ukraine and we love Biden for standing up to Putin and, and helping the people of Ukraine that's a very underlooked great thing he did that is in total opposition to what the Republicans want to do. Uh, he's also he's pulled us out of a covid pandemic. So I think Biden did his job of, of running on unity, running on healing. But I will say that I think uh, in tw- it's very to talk about 2024. I think some candidates like Katie Porter, like Gavin Newsom, like uh, Eric Swalwell, like uh, these young, fiery candidates and even a um, there was the Pennsylvania candidate who, who gave a giant or a screaming speech, forgetting her name. But we I think the young people, what will excite us as opposed to creating more voter apathy. Yep. I, I think they're going to say, hey, I'm going to sit this election out. But, uh, but we need yeah. I, I think you're right. And I think we do need to get a, a younger and angrier candidate. And as far as Bernie Sanders, he was. Uh, yes. Yes, I agree. He's very nice. Very good. But at, at the end of the day, people are terrible. They're he's too easy to campaign against for, for the other side. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous. I, you know, I, and also divisive. He, yeah, he took votes away from Hillary Clinton too. I mean, I like it, but that was a, that was a candidate that did not work and he won't work, but we need a more unifying candidate who, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's my opinion. And, and listen, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's going to be somebody that's not there right now, front and center. Now, I'm a big fan of Eric Swalwell's. I think he would be great. In fact, I've actually had the conversation with him uh, going back maybe six, seven months ago. And I said, man, why don't you fucking run for the presidency, right? First of all, you look the part, you act the part. He's incredibly bright. He's aggressive. I mean, you know, or somebody like a Jamie Raskin. But here's the big problem. And I wanted to get your young man Gen Z take (laughs) on it. As much as I like Kamala Harris as a person, she has absolutely, in my opinion, zero, zero chance of beating anybody on the Republican field. I don't know exactly why. I don't know what people have against her, right? But whatever it is, maybe it's a little bit of too much flip-flopping back and forth. I don't know the answer, but she statistically doesn't have it. And then you get Pete Buttigieg. He's just like a whole nother, this is like a super, super intellect. The problem is this also, he just does not have the ability to bring people in. He's a lovely guy, just not who you want to see as president. All right. Then you have Elizabeth Warren. And I think the problem with somebody like Liz Warren is that 
She's too much of what we already have. It's part of yeah. she's establishment and you can't get out of your mind. The whole thing that Trump, you know, that motherfucker, when he labels you, it just sticks. <laughs> the lion, Ted, right? The little Marco, the right. Then you got Pocahontas. <laughs> you can't get that shit out of your head. And it's just it's just very it's sad because, you know, she's another one. But then again, you have like somebody like AOC. And while she's extremely influential and so on, and I can see her creating a real movement, I think people are afraid of her. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you know, sometimes some of the things she says is just too radical. But then you get somebody like Cory Booker, and I think he's you know, better than an AOC. And this is just, this is just me, right? You know, it's yeah, my opinion. Yeah. But then I want to just, and I'm going to let you run with it. Then you get up to somebody like Gavin Newsom, who statistically, as it stands right now, he is like 3% support. Three. 3% support from the potential Democratic you know, primary voters in some you know, morning consult poll. This is a problem if you think that this guy is going to be the guy who can go head to toe with whoever the Republican nominee is going to be. And that's why we need to right now, as of today, we need to start pushing the next generation of, you know, Democratic presidents. I yeah, I just read an article, too, that that uh, it's time to remove uh, time for the, the older Democrats to step down and make way for the younger ones. Uh, I, I so me personally, I I don't mind these quote unquote establishment Democrats. I think they're all great. I think Biden's doing great. I think Elizabeth Warren would have been great. <laughs> like I, I, they all would have been significantly better than the Republican. But uh, you're as far as getting behind a young like AOC. Yes, she she in my opinion is the same. Like um, I, I don't mean to, but she's like the female Bernie Sanders. She's got a lot of young, uh, great, giant following, and I like the fire and, and fight that she brings to the Republicans. Very important voice. But again, she would be too scary and too easy to campaign against. Um, I think it's time for, again, but, but then you don't want to also say that we need a young president in the middle of Biden's term, because that undermines, like, right? It, it kind of uh, is counterintuitive to the, the Democratic Party, but... and. But at the end of the day, I think we do let, let, like, let's be honest, let, let's stop speaking in code. There needs to be a young Democrat on the ballot, uh, including someone like Jamie Raskin would be great, too. People who aren't afraid to cut through and speak to the audience directly, just like Donald Trump did. But, but to tell them, but to speak to them like uh, like a, like a regular person. So, I, again, I yeah, so look, I think I think Jamie Raskin is, you know, is top. I mean, I, I really do. And I've, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak to him a couple of times. Um, why I like him, why I like Eric Swalwell so much, why I like someone like a Stacey Abrams, yeah. because they, they are not so above the political fight as to not call Trump out or Trumpism out to whoever might be the Republican candidate to their face, like what Hillary Clinton should have done on the debate stage when he was looming over her and waddling around like a, a weeble, you know, back and forth, back and forth. She should have turned around and said, listen, fatso, get the fuck back over to your fucking stand, all right, if you can stand behind it, right, with your ADHD, right, because, you know, because you smell, 
You know, something like that. I mean, that would have made headlines and it would have shown that, you know, she's willing to stand up for herself by the fact that she wanted to be polite. And so there is no such thing as being polite when you are in the company of Trump and Trumpism. You just cannot be. And if you want to be, no problem. Go to the country club. Just don't bring it to politics because it's not going to work. But, but can I, let me, I want to ask you one quick thing about that because I, I think that way too. But to challenge Trump at his own game, I believe is a recipe for disaster. And look what, look what Joe Biden did. I was the whole time I'm like, dude, get, get angry. Call him out. And Joe Biden never called him out, really. He never even mentioned his name. And then he, he won the election by like 7 million votes. So, but you're, you're, I think this time around, it's got to be different. And, and to speak to your, yeah, it, to speak to Kamala Harris really quickly, uh, I don't know what it is either, but I, yep, some of my friends, they say she doesn't stand a chance because she, even though she's great, but she's the first female vice president, but I don't know why they, they haven't really. She doesn't give any speeches. She, she hasn't been as vocal as I like to see in the middle of Roe v. Wade being our return. So uh, I don't know what happened there, but um, we, we, yes, it's, yeah. it's not the, the winning ticket, I think. So let me ask you then this. Transphobia is suddenly everywhere because I've heard you say it's causing fear. And I agree. Yeah. Right. Trumpism is unifying the right around sexual politics. First. They come for the trans kids, and then they go after all gay people. Your generation is about to lose all of the rights that they grew up with. Do you think something like that would spark some fire in their asses to drive some of these young, you know, queer people back into the closet? Now, this is a real real problem. You know, you have to remember, again, you know, we have, you know, we have like— 40 years, give or take, um, approximately, between your Gen Z um, and, you know, and my baby booming generation. Right. And I've seen some terrible, terrible things happen to, you know, um, people who had or appeared to be out, you know, out of the closet. It was, it was terrible. But your generation got the benefits. And so, so how is your generation going to defend their rights and support trans and gay folks? Because... If the radical right has its way, gay would not be accepted anywhere anymore, right? Like, like what you start seeing going on in Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're right. And Ted, Cru- Ted Cruz just yesterday, he said um, Obergefell versus Hodges was a mistake. Basically, gay marriage in every state, he wants to outlaw. The Republicans want to outlaw. But they, and they've been preparing for this. Look at, uh, you go back to, this is what, but by the way, you said it's going to scare voters and yet for some reason ron DeSantis has decided to make this the hallmark of his campaign to you know eliminate lgbtq kids from school sports to stop using quote pronouns to stop um they, they're trying to they're trying to ban it from schools yes and i i believe it's horrifying to, to go to school in a maybe a red state or under a red governor who tells you that being gay is, is wrong or the texas republicans call being gay quote and abnormal behavior. So this will definite, I mean, this, this to me is, this partially why I, I, I'm also speaking out to, we need to protect these constitutional rights. This, this is not sit well with any young person, any young person. But for, but again, once again, it, it comes back to the Democrats. You need to get out there and tell voters that the Republicans want to overturn gay marriage. They want to eliminate 
even LGBTQ uh, language from the school curriculum. So you got, uh, it, this comes down to we have the winning messages on the, on the Democratic Party, but we've got to advertise more what the Republicans are trying to do. So I think, yeah, of course, young, every young person, well, every, every person should, every young person wants gay marriage to remain legal. That's a fact. But they have to know that this is on the ballot this November. So, again, it comes down to the to people like us and to the Democrats to get that message out over and over again. Even if you sound repetitive, say it. People don't know it. They truly don't know it's on the By ballot. By the way, repetition, repetition works. So let me ask you this then, Dish. Where do you draw a line? It used to be that civil people didn't talk politics or religion at the dinner table. Those days are over, thank God. But do you, do you have friends that you agree to disagree with? Pretty much, you know, once I know someone is, you know, an out-and-out racist, it's all over for me, right? But what's your tolerance level? You know, when it comes to human rights, it seems like there's so much wiggle room Right. You know, or that there's not much wiggle room anymore. I used to think that we, you know, live and let live. It's none of my fucking business. Right. Was the answer. Right. But maybe not. I, I don't know anymore. What's your opinion? Uh, I have lost friends because of the Donald Trump, uh, because of their belief, political beliefs. You can no longer be a, you can't be. A, there's no such thing as a, quote, fiscal Republican. If you're a Republican, you're overlooking constitutional rights. For, for gay people, for LGBTQ, and for women. <laughs> so you can no longer be a Republican. Uh, yeah, the discourse, it's very heated. Um, anything that comes up to politics, that's why a lot of people, young people, don't even want to talk about it. They want to remain apolitical because it's very alienating. To put yourself out there politically, especially as a young person, you're going you're, you're gonna, to uh, you know, piss off all the girls you're gonna, who, are, who are Donald Trump supporters. You're going to piss off friends, the frat guys. You're going to piss off a lot of people if you speak out, but... I'm sorry. There's no better time than now to speak out and get loud. You'll thank yourself in 50 years when you look back and say, well, America fell to fascism, but at least I was on the right side. Or you'll say I was able to defeat fascism by getting loud and staying loud and, and speaking out. Uh, I just like to say there was also right. I always this quote always haunts me that there was one third of Germany was the Nazis. One third was the, the people who fought back. And then the other third was the group that stood silently by as they watched it. I think it was like Warner Herzog said that quote. So again, that's what's happening right now. There are people who don't want to speak out because it's alienating and it, and it will put you on a political island. Too bad. Too bad. Get loud now. Speak out now. So that's what I'm saying here. Okay, so but you but you're saying like let's say you're you're a guy and you you know are concerned because it's going to alienate you from the females and so on. Listen, I can understand that. It does. However, I can't understand how there is a single female, <laughs> again between you know the age of birth and the age of death, that would sit there and be for Trump or Trumpism or the Republican Party when they are. When they are violating your right and so on. Now, I could understand if you, again, if you are part of that Southern white Christian coalition and this is how you were brought up and, you know, you're one of these evangelicals. I get it and I respect it. However, that's a small group of people basically confined to like the Brigham Youngs or the Liberty University, yeah. right? Not, <laughs> not UCLA, not in a, in a school, right? That is, that's progressive, not in an NYU or a USC or 
Technically, it should be every school that's out there. I cannot see how any college, private or public, makes no difference how there's a single female that would want to see her reproductive rights in question, especially after we just saw this horrific, horrific story about the 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. That I've met them, but I've met the Republican or uh, Trumper girls. <laughs> they exist. So I, and I've given up. I gave up trying to understanding them. Uh, I think more importantly, it's how do we convince? How do I convince uh, the people who are not political to make sure that they vote? Because about forty percent of people. Can I can I stop you for one second, Dish? So this Republican girl, this Trump girl. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I just kind of delve into it for a second. You know, what was her? What was her beef? What was her issue? Uh, she said the, the the left has gone too radical. I grew up in a Christian family. So those are two the two common things. And I said, what about January 6th? I said he tried to overthrow the government and he tried to cheat to win. She said, well, you know, every it's proven every election is always riddled with fraud. And like, no, it's not. This is preposterous. Yeah, hello. Yeah, I, I think she's got the hots for Tucker Carlson. I, you know, I, I, or, you know uh, and look, Sean Hannity's on the market, so who the fuck knows? <laughs> I don't know. But look, Dash, the hour goes by real quick, right? And so I have one last question for you. Yep. Who are the heroes of your generation? I mean, like, for example, here on Maya Culpa, I personally, I'm a big fan of David Hogg and um, Jack um, Cochurella. You know, they've, I've had them both here on uh, Mea Culpa. Now we get to add Dash Dabrowski, right? <laughs> but who are, the, who are the activists that you admire? And what are they doing to save democracy? Further, one, one last part to it. Do you think, did you ever think about running for office? Because you certainly have a lot of fucking energy, my friend, right? <laughs> and chances are you would probably be using it for good. You ever think about that? Wow. Well, uh, for, for, thank you so much for that. That's very generous, Mike. <laughs> um, well, I think one of the biggest generational heroes of my age, younger, is Greta Thunberg. Because, man, I, mm-hmm. I can't see anybody, including myself, I'm not as selfless as she is. She's put everything aside to, to combat climate change. Going, sailing across the world, doing, talking about an issue that, it, you know, it, it's, there's no glory in fighting climate change, but it's, it's the best work you can do. Uh, she, she's an example of someone who doesn't care about the social, doesn't care about anything other than her mission. And she's young and she's accomplishing a hell of a lot more than, than I am or, or a majority of the, the people in office. So hats off to her. And uh, r- running, for, running for office, well, right now I'm very much just um, l- still learning more about politics. And I still want to just use my platform to help the Democrats stay in office, expand the majority and fight this Republican fascism. Uh, we'll see down the line, though. Who knows? I still need to get my college degree. <laughs> yes. But once you finish with that, have you thought about what it is that you want to do? Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you're a poli sci major. You know, have you decided in terms of what aspect um, of your education you want to pursue? Um, you're going to go to law school afterwards. Are you going to go to, you know, medical school? You're going to be an accountant. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you know, what, you know, I'm going to be a, a pro golfer. No, I'm joking. I, I'm going to be a, uh, I, I truly, I still, I still don't know. I, I, I tell you honestly, all I think about right now are the 2022 midterms. I'm like, I have blinders. I can't think about anything else. So when we, when we win those or when that's over, then I'll, I'll think more about, cause I'm in my senior year. 
Uh, maybe somewhere in Washington, D.C., but again, I, I just feel like you can make more change potentially from the outside, getting voters to vote as opposed to being a, a body in Washington, D.C. amongst 538 other politicians. So who, who knows? But I, I think the media and social media is the, the space to, to make big change, at least in this era and this moment. Well, Dash, well, I wish you all the best of luck. Let me just give you one last, uh, almost like a fatherly advice. There is no uh, beer pong Olympics, all right? And so, you know, uh, that's not going to be your future, right? You may <laughs> want to, you know, especially as you're going to be uh, coming to the end of your, you know, senior year. Um, yeah, you may want to think about uh, something a little bit, you know, well, let's just call it more generic, you know, as my as my generation would say. But I do wish you all the best. I thank you for joining me today on Maya Culpa. If there's anything that you need from me, um, you know, just reach out here for you. Uh, appreciate all the work that you're doing. Please do not stop because you're right. The loudest voice in the room is the one that gets heard. And so we just have to keep being, you know, the loudest voice. And I thank you for what you're doing. Wow. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. And I, I great to meet you. And a, and a great thing I just wanted to say, you had the balls after Donald Trump threw you under the bus to not just hide away, just like the other magazine Republicans who supported him. And they say, oh, he lost it. You came out and now you're using your voice to fight fascism. I, if only more people came out and did that. So thank you for your okay. advocacy as well. Appreciate it. And again, I will be in touch and you stay in touch as well. I will. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, pal. And now for today's mea culpa. In a week that has been particularly illuminating where the Republican Party is concerned, it's the little things that sometimes go under the radar that make you both laugh and think. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene, always good for a fucking chuckle. But this week, after calling herself a Christian nationalist, translation, a Christian fascist at a neo-Nazi convention, real Christian ministers nationwide rebuked her outright, saying things like, she dances with the devil and she's a racist deadbeat. All things we already knew, but her comments are apparently a wake-up call for those not paying attention especially Christians that don't want to be associated with a brand of batshit crazy. Also crazy, Justice Alito was in Italy this week, touting his great achievements here in the States on behalf of religious freedom, where he mocked foreign leaders, including Prince William and Emmanuel Macron, who criticized his reversal of Roe v. Wade. Alito is the sort of prick that always acts like poor me, even as he's winning. But there's no crazy like the crazy on the campaign trail. Missouri's primaries are on August 2nd and Republicans in the show me state are seeking to reverse the course of political supernova Eric Greitens, who is currently running for Senate, hoping to replace retiring Senator Roy Blunt. You may recall an ad Greetings ran earlier this year where he racks a shotgun as mass commandos wielding military-style rifles storm a house supposedly hunting for rhinos. This won him the favor of absolutely no one, but was approved by his campaign chairwoman, yeah, you got it, Kimberly Gargoyle, yes, that Kimberly Gargoyle. Anyway, Greitens won the race for governor in 2016 under an anti-establishment banner, but has since reinvented himself as the ultra-maga warrior. 
Greitens, once a Navy SEAL and a Rhodes Scholar, has behaved as if he's impervious to annoying things like laws, but the former governor found himself in hot water when it was revealed that he tied up a woman in the basement of his house, threatened to blackmail her with a nude photograph, and forced her to perform oral sex on him against her will. I mean, a real great guy. This led to an investigation and his resignation in 2018. A divorce soon thereafter, and a contentious custody battle that's still going on. However, Greitens was still ahead in the polls, until recently, when female members of his own party decided it was time to re-educate the public and run a series of ads highlighting his many scandals, including the one that led to his resignation. Greitens has publicly denied all wrongdoing, insisting that the encounters with the women were consensual, but the ad campaign against him has been damning. Even Trump won't endorse him now, saying that Democrats would probably like to run against Greitens. Come what may, the party who once considered themselves the moral majority might want to rethink that position. And thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Mea Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea Culpa, nothing but the truth. <laughs>